We are on Hollywood Boulevard. Hey, Hello. how's it going? Ha- hey, and may hey. the f- may the fourth be with you. Ah, uh, may the it's fourth be with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I hate Star Wars, right? I know you do. It's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so many people enjoy this holiday. Not me. It's not even a holiday. Some people make it a holiday. It's but... really nothing. I mean, like I, I can't accept. I can't believe how far the branding of it has really gone. But you know what? It. It's also fun enough to say, so there we are. It is. So, hey, what have we got going on on the boulevard today? Uh, I am a very Netflix-friendly this week. Uh, I have a couple movies to talk about. And okay. you. Oh, and I, well, May is uh, National Mental Health Awareness Month, so I thought that we would talk about Hannibal. I mean, an obvious place to go there. Yes, obviously. And that would be Hannibal the series, which I know is pretty old at this point, but I've never watched it, and we finally started it um, last week, and I got shit to talk about. Did you watch this as a family, or just you and Anthony as a couple? Uh, Me and Anthony as a couple. The kidlet does not watch TV with us anymore. She's got her own interests. Fair. She rarely does. So this has just been us. How far into the series are you? I think we're on season one, maybe episode nine. So we're nine okay. into the first uh, for the, for the first season. So we're you know a good chunk in in the first season. I don't know how many seasons it's had total, so I don't know where we are with that. I want to say it had three. Oh, is that all? That's kind of disappointing. Maybe. And didn't it move from like NBC to somewhere else? I don't know. I really don't know anything. I may about be lying. It. I don't I know anything about lies. it. Um, except uh, yeah, except what it is. I you know that it's this uh, adapt uh, sort of retelling or a, a prequel um, to the Hannibal Lecter story. Um, that, you know, I don't think it, ha- I don't think it's what was written in terms of, I don't even no, know what book No, it it's like in, ex- and I, for those who don't know, I'm a big fan of the world of Hannibal Lecter and Silence of the Lambs is my favorite movie, but I only saw the very beginning of this series, didn't keep up with it. Um, so I don't. I haven't seen much and don't have much to recall of it, but just from the outside, I know that it has nothing to do, um, like with the with the world from the like, actual the, no, like it's an expansion of the universe, but it right. doesn't come from the novels and right. it, and isn't connected to the most of the characters from the movies. Like this um, isn't something that that Thomas Harris wrote as 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 a prequel story to Hannibal. Um, to Hannibal Lecter's sort of story. Um, but I think that what they did here was pretty fascinating. Um, as long as I leave the Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon and all of and all of that, like I have to like compartmentalize that because it's really hard for me to believe it otherwise. Do you know if that makes sense? Yeah, it does. And I think that's part of why I just didn't bother keeping up with it. Okay. Like I like the world as is, I'm good. But you, I, but I mean, like critics yeah. salivated over this show. So 
So performance-wise and, like, however, like, they built the world out, structurally, like, there's probably a lot to it. I just have to rely on you to tell me more. Well, there really is. So, so as long as I remove that, because, okay, so in this particular retelling, um, you have Will Graham's character who showed up in uh, Manhunter. Exactly. Right. Uh, Red Dragon, which is Manhunter. Uh, Man is the film version of yeah, Manhunter is the film version of Red Dragon, who um, came before Clarice Starling mm -hmm. um, and worked with Hannibal Lecter to basically in the same capacity that Starling did, right? Like he was tracking down a yeah, killer. Yeah, they're trying to find a, an active serial killer. Yeah, and so, and, and Lecter had already done his heinous crimes and he was already locked up. Um, if I'm remembering it correctly, right? The, mm -hmm. the dragon mm -hmm. part. Yes, okay. Um, so this conceivably takes place before Lecter got caught. And in this, he's actually sort of like an, a special envoy to the FBI, helping them to solve serial killer crimes while he himself is doing his diabolical acts, right? Which we never actually, what's really sort of fascinating with this, um, and he and, um, let me let me sort of back up a little bit, and, and he and Will Graham develop a kinship, friendship, relationship, almost like colleagues, but what, a lot of respect there, and you'd almost say friends, but where Lecter is concerned, you can't really say friends because he doesn't really have any friends. Right. Um, so they have this has been sort of an extraordinary thread running through it that grosses me out and fascinates me. Um, in this series, they really take that sort of, you know how um, Hannibal was the, a gourmand, you know, mm -hmm. the fava beans and the Chianti yeah. and all that shit. They really like sort of like upped the ante. And this lector is a gourmet chef. But the catch is, while he's cooking, it basically, like, and he he's cooking and he puts on these elaborate dinner parties. And he has got this beautiful kitchen with all of this state-of-the-art, like, cooking accoutrements. I mean, he has one of those, like, I didn't even know what it was. My husband had to explain it to me. It was, like, a, a, a coffee maker that works on vacuum pressure. That is, because <laughs> I was like, I've never seen that before. I think we need to get one. We're, we're like big coffee fiends in this house. I'm like, I think I need to have that now. <laughs> um, so, he, so, so he's having these big, beautiful, elaborate dinner parties in his beautiful home where he's got like a living wall in the dining room and it's, and everything is perfect. And, and he serves these really outrageous meals of like you know calves liver and brain and heart and all that. so you think so the people eating it thinks that it's animal flesh but we as the audience aren't quite so sure because mm -hmm. while we watch him prepare this stuff there's kind of like this voiceover that's talking about like a body that was found and like a heart was missing or a kidney was mm. missing or, you know, the, mm. the internal or the um, intestines were missing. What is, what is the killer making sausage? Why would he take the intestines? As we see Hannibal grinding sausage and putting it into its casing. So it's... <laughs> 
Oh my God. There were a couple of the last couple of episodes that we watched had a lot of food stuff going on. And it was like, I was just like, I, I was like, I can't even watch them eat right now. Cause this is just so disgusting. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it. <laughs> but it was so fascinating. So anyway, so it's sort of like really kind of interesting because they've taken this standard TV trope of <laughs> FBI criminals, you know, solving murders, and they've really turned it on their heads because one of the heroes is a notorious serial killer. And of course, nobody knows this except we, the audience. Um, so right. I kind of really, really love what they did and how they did that. And I have to say, the cast is exceptional. The writing is phenomenal. The storylines are absolutely outrageous, but who gives a shit um, when you've got this much talent in the room? I mean, we're talking, Hugh Dancy is Will Graham. He is wonderful. Um, he is such a neurotic. I, I hope that he, ha like, you know, between this and watching him on the pass, like, I really just hope that he has a lovely home life and he's completely yeah, chill. He I'm going to say he does. Because I, like, kind of worry about him because he plays these sort of, like, neurotics, like, so extraordinarily well. Um, and Mads Michelson, I don't know that I've seen him in anything except for, like, his picture or, like, commercials. <laughs> he's fantastic. He's really um, yeah, he is great. And we talked about him recently in that movie, Another Round. Yeah. Um, and yeah. he's like his own kind of star. Like he, like, like a Tilda Swinton type, type deal. Um, and looks like he's having a, a lot of fun with whatever he does, but also brings a lot of depth to it. Uh, and uh, I can only imagine he does that to this kind of over the top version of, uh, of what they're doing with Hannibal. And I also know, and I won't say anything just in case it matters, but I know of some of the actors that join the show in seasons two and three. So you might be in for some really cool stuff when you oh, keep watching. Oh, because I haven't even looked. And now I'm going to go, now I'm going to go, I'm peeking, I'm peeking. Let me see if I can find, oh, like Raul Esparza. Well, Lawrence Fishburne is also in it as Jack Crawford. Um and Gillian Anderson has been making some cameo appearances as Lecter's yeah. therapist. So, exactly. Again, like, it's really fascinating, too, to sort of see how they're kind of making Lecter kind of sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely one of the things that it, I think, pushed even further. Right, right. Um, um, and, and I should say that I'm a fan of the other shows I've seen that the creator Brian Fuller did, um, like uh, Dead Like Me, which was on Showtime, and Pushing Daisies, um, which were like shows that really kind of took a different skewed glance at life and mortality and all the things people don't like thinking about and mm -hmm. talking about. Um, and made it entertaining in ways that were both usually comedic, but like, but not always. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, my list of things to watch and do is is, is so long, <laughs> though I'm not ruling out at some point revisiting this. I, it's on Netflix, I think now. Yeah, uh, Hulu. 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 I watched it on okay. Hulu. Yeah, I watched it. On Hulu. And you mentioned the Path, which was one of the original Hulu originals, but I've mm -hmm. still never seen it. Oh, I, you know, I really liked it. I think I dropped off from watching it after like, 
into the third season, maybe. I think I just got kind of a little tired of it. Um, but again, it was sort of like the same, you know, wonderful cast, really great storyline um, that was, you know, that was kind of going strong. But then it just kind of, I don't know, I, I sort of, I just got tired of it. Um, it just kind of exhausted itself. And um, and I was just like, why isn't everybody leaving this cult? Um, but yeah. <laughs> Kind of like The Walking Dead. Like I gave up after a while because I was like, "Oh, look, more zombies." You know, like that was how they eventually lost me too. Yeah, like it just kind of felt like, okay, more zombies, and who's worse, the humans or the zombies? And you know, it just felt like it just felt very repetitive. Yeah, that Um, was my exactly. Yeah, and I just was like, I don't even. I'm not interested in going back. Um, and 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 just continuing this again and again and again because. I, I'm just, I'm just really, really sick of it. Um, so, so it kind of like that's kind of like where they just lost me. Where it just didn't feel like there was like I don't know, like there was nothing new. And I guess, you know, with The Walking Dead too, I think where they sort of fell down is that they, I, for me, like there was no hope. And I think that right, the best you could do is survive, but you can never live. Right. And, and I think like eventually they sort of like took away the hope of everybody. Mm-hmm. And when they took away the hope of the characters, they also took away the hope of the audience. And so we're kind of like rooting for them to get out of this mess. But then after a while, it's like, there is no out of this mess. There is no out of the mess. Absolutely. And so, so why am I going to continue watching this? Because this is just a mess they're never going to get out of. It's just going to be more of the same. Yeah, and that's what it ended up being. And that I think that something similar happened with the path, but maybe not as not quite as extreme. Um, but you know, Hugh Dancy again, wonderful, and again played this like neurotic cult leader. So I mean, and here he is again, neurotic. Uh, so. Oh. He was the cult leader, and um, Aaron Paul was like the guy who joins the cult or something, right? Yeah. So, um, so Aaron Paul is a cult member, and he marries uh, in. He kind of like marries into the cult. So his wife, uh, his his wife was kind of like a higher up family within the cult, and I guess the idea was that. Hugh Dancy's character always thought that they were going to get married, I guess, because it was almost like royalty, you know, in the cult. And he actually had mm-hmm. feelings for her and all that. So it all already mm. set up this tension between um, between him and Aaron Paul's character. Um, but then also, like, Aaron Paul ends up, like, disillusioned and wants out of the cult. But the wife doesn't want to get out. Um, and that, and, and he does leave for a time and, you know, that's all part of the storyline as well. I mean, again, I really enjoyed it, especially like the first two seasons, they were really, really good. And then I just kind of got tired of it. Yeah. But Hugh Dancy is phenomenal. He's really great. He is. And I've seen him on stage a few times too, and am always more impressed. No, he's good. But I think his home life is fine. So don't worry. Yeah, I know. I know he's married and all of that, but I'm always kind of like he just always plays these like poor neurotic characters. Yeah, I mean, unless you think he should be afraid of Claire Danes, but I think he's fine. Yeah, no, (laughs) no, I don't think so. All right, so um, yeah, so for uh, to kick off our mental health awareness month, um, (laughs) go watch Hannibal. Um, You'll feel better about yourself. So what? What? uh, (laughs) What do you have? 
I suppose I could tie one of these films also into Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, there is some of of what's up in the mind of man going on here. Uh, one of the movies we saw is called Things Heard and Seen with Amanda Seyfried and James Norton. Um, it's very. It's based on a book that I didn't know about called All Things Cease to Appear by Elizabeth Brundage, but uh, I didn't know anything about that. It's very much in the Amityville horror vein, and it's set... Amityville is set in the 70s. This is set in 1980, and it's a college professor um, who moves with his wife and young daughter from their life in Manhattan to, like, uh, you know, like, a small remote town in, in like, upstate New York, um, and they move into a house that seems to be haunted. Uh, and gradually, um, you know, they meet some of the people in town and they learn a bit more of, of like, what happened uh, in the history of the house. Um, and meanwhile, the husband and the wife each start going down their own road of, um, of doing questionable things. Um, and um, this movie's pretty stupid. <laughs> so oh, I don't no, know. Really? Yeah, it's 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 not really well drawn, and it's adapted actually by um, a couple that did a movie I really liked, which was called American Splendor, a very different kind of movie, almost twenty years ago. Uh, Sherry Springer, Berman, and Robert Robert Pulcini are their names. Um, and this feels either lazy or compromised, and I just don't know how different it is from the book to know how much was lost in the adaptation, but it's one of those that you think is going to be a haunted house psychological slash supernatural thriller, but also there are a lot of elements about just, like, the, the sort of more natural, earthbound evil of man and what people are, are capable of. Um, which kind of seems to run counter to, like, is this is this a story where bad things are happening because there are otherworldly spirits causing them, or because there are like bad people doing bad things as they normally do in a realistic world? It doesn't really work if it's both and they're at odds with each other. A because the movie's not really contributing any suspense, but B because it just doesn't have anything interesting to say then so i think it's um not great and don't recommend <laughs> oh because that was uh, on my i want to watch that list now it's not it's easy <laughs> enough to sit through but but i'm gonna say nah but i also have to say uh, to be continued because i would like to have a separate episode and it's one that Alyssa has to join on about the lead actor james norton because he is fantastic very talented, incredibly good-looking. Um, if people know from either the the Little Women adaptation from two years ago or the the TV show Grandchester, um, he's like the second coming of Robert Redford, and he's one of those people that we root for, and we're like, he's working a lot, but they're all in things that people aren't really seeing and don't know about and aren't talking about um so he's the one that we're kind of rooting to break out so Alyssa can come on another time to talk about him a bit more but i will throw out he is also 
part of the cast of the show that's currently on HBO, The Nevers, um, which is like a steampunk kind of sci-fi thing set in the 19th century. And it also isn't great, but I'm going to reserve my final opinion because I've only seen like four episodes. Um, And they have a season that's broken into two parts because of of COVID happening during filming. So um, we're not done talking about James Norton. And that was a Joss Whedon. That originally began as a Joss Whedon thing. But he's done, right? He's canceled. He's no longer. Yeah, he's not by me, but by the world. He's canceled. Uh, And and one of the other um, people from the stable of excellent Buffy, the Vampire Slayers, uh, or Slayer Writers, uh, has sort of taken on the show. Okay, so it's great. like in it's in decent hands, and it has actually a good cast. But but I'm not feeling the show gotcha. right now. And this was HBO. Oh, that's like HBO. I might have to. Um, but I also want to talk about a show that I'm very much enjoying on HBO. I will only talk about it a little bit until it's done. But that is Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet, um, which is set in like working class Pennsylvania and she's a police detective and um, there is a murder. And because basically everyone in town knows each other, like everyone is practically a suspect um, while she has her own personal demons and, and family tragedy to deal with. I'm liking it more and more every episode. And based on what I'm seeing on Twitter, the world seems to be waking up to it more and more, which I'm happy to say. I'm not always the biggest fan of Kate Winslet, but this is the best thing I've seen her do in at least 15 years. What? So, now, what I'm sorry. What is going on with HBO Max? Because this is another one that says HBO Max. Is it? Is it just on HBO and HBO no, Max? Is it? Yeah. Is it? Or is HBO Max just doing really good work right now? No, you can watch it on HBO, and they're also promoting it, so you subscribe to HBO Max. Is my thing, but we're watching it both of these shows on regular HBO. HBO, okay. Because I was like, because this is like the thing that I'm not sort of getting with HBO Max is like so much is like, it's on HBO or it's on HBO Max or like, and I'm like, wait, what's going on? Yeah, we were super confused for a long time because we would see the ads and all it would say was HBO Max. Yeah. But you can actually watch it if you have a cable subscription. Oh, because I was kind of like. And that's not true of everything, but it's true of these. Okay, because like, I'm wondering like, if Game of Thrones was on, would it be on HBO Max or would it only be on HBO? Right. No, and we had the same question, but no, it would still be on HBO. They would just be using it to promote HBO Max. And these two shows are now, it's their current like prestige television shows that would have been Game of Thrones for the West. Gotcha. Two years ago to eight years ago. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I might have to, I might have to get HBO Max again. Yeah, there's it's been a lot of stuff coming out that I'm like, ooh, I'd like to see that. Uh, I mean, I think you could like binge a bunch of it in a trial and be done if you time it right. Mm. I don't know what else is to come. You could also wait until Succession comes back, I think, in the fall. Yeah, that's the other one I'm waiting for. So, yeah, maybe I'll wait. As for that. are we. Mm. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I was saying um, I don't always love Kate Winslet. And I think she's quite good in this. It's a, in general, it's a very good cast, though only a couple names, including Guy Pierce, who was also in the the Mildred Pierce that he and Kate Winslet did, and Gene Smart are they're like the only other I would say 
close to household names that are in the show. Otherwise, it's a lot of local, I think, New York and East Coast talent, which is nice. And I think, yeah. I think, um, and Alyssa, I know, has said this too, uh, that Kate Winslet's performance probably benefits from her not firing off against a bunch of other stars, but by by working off of a lot of fine talent. Mm-hmm. So I think, so I think that helps. And this is one that we can't really put our finger on. It's a seven-part series based on uh, nothing. It's an original work. So we don't really know where the plot's going to go or who like the true suspects are, are going to be. Basically, everyone could potentially be guilty in this town. Um, so, But we're really enjoying it. So I do recommend that if and when you ever uh, gain access to the HBO world once more okay excellent um and then we watched a fun family uh animated film on netflix called the mitchells versus the machines Um, i've heard that's very good yeah you know it's it's very sweet uh and it's about a family of four daughter is college age and she and her father clash an awful lot and they go on a road trip so that they can deliver her to her college in California. Um, she's a big film person. And um, while en route, there is basically an event where all the machines in the world rise. And this family is at the center of trying, of being able to try and do something to stop it. And yeah, it's, it's a sweet, fun movie. Okay. Yeah. I've heard I, don't it's, know, I don't know okay. if I think it's like great or breaking new ground per se, but, but I liked it. Yeah, and it know. does, and it has a lot. It has a lot of really great energy and voiceover work going for it. Okay, okay. I mean, not everything needs to break new ground. No, it does. No, I mean, I'm, uh, all I'm saying is, it's definitely not bad. I'm just like mildly happy with it versus over the moon happy about it. And I have to say, like, starry, starry cast, voice cast. Yeah, yeah, you know? voice, yeah My... Jenny McBride, Maya Rudolph. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really great. Chrissy Teigen, John Legend. Wait, have um, I, I? I haven't talked a lot about Chrissy Teigen or John Legend on this. Um, I just hate them. Oh, really? I like Chrissy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not. No, I don't really like her, or at least whatever the public vibe she puts out isn't for me. Um, but, oh, but yes, I mean, I don't really, fo- I don't follow her or anything. But like when I read articles about her, I'm like, oh, she sounds cute. Mm, maybe I'd like her in person. Yeah, hard to say. Um, I'll never know. And Fred also, Armisen is in it. Yeah, I, I just watched. I just watched Portlandia for the first time today. I loved Portlandia. Because Sid is thinking about going to school in Portland, and I was like, "Well, before you make that decision, we should probably watch Portlandia." And everyone I know who I visited, but everyone I know who actually is from or lives there, says like, "Yep." Yeah, the show gets it right. <laughs> yeah, that's why I told her. I was like, I think we yeah. need to watch Portlandia before you make a decision. <laughs> I'm like, because they're weird there. <laughs> it's a really unique kind of uh, thing unto itself. Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. It's weird. But, um, but yeah, this is a great cast. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I, I, I liked it. Liked it, didn't love it. Like, yeah, like mildly, yes. Didn't didn't love it, but didn't offend me in any in any way at all. So it's just kind of like if you're just in the mood for something fun to watch. 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, like, if you're not spending 20 bucks and camping out at the movie theater an hour before the show begins, it's harmless. Right. <laughs> exactly. All the reasons why I don't go see movies in movie theaters. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not all the reasons, but yeah. But like a giant one, because it better be damn good if I'm going to spend 10 hours and 20 bucks. <laughs> Which does sort of like uh, beg the question to our listeners, when do you think you will go back to, assuming they all open, um, when do you think you will feel comfortable going to the movies again, and what do you think the first movie you would see would be? Okay, so you answer that. I can't think of anything. But I don't have my finger right now on any sort of pulse about like what's in the pipeline and what's coming anymore because I'm just so used to waiting for it to to be on my television. I don't have an answer. I would have to do my homework to think about it next week, but that's a promise I will make. Okay, Uh, but what about feeling comfortable going into movie theaters? Um, Or the theaters in general? I'm, um, the theaters in general for a live theater is a little different only because uh, they'll be more crowded. Um, and I just, uh, I'm at the point now where I'm not as concerned about once I get the second vaccine, which will be next week, not super concerned for health reasons as much as I just am like, is it going to be rough? Like, are there going to be lines of people around the block until everyone gets their like vaccine right. confirmed? Uh, like, do I necessarily want to sit on top of people immediately no i don't um but i also don't think that there's a lot in the science that tells me that like that's actually a concern um see i guess but i'm happy to wait a bit longer yeah like i guess that's the thing because on the one hand like if you're you know conceivably if we're all vaccinated or if you're vaccinated there should be a, a, i feel like i should have a level of comfort that i'm vaccinated and i can go places but then like there's just this sort of i'm sorry but yahoo's out there that just refuse to get vaccinated refuse to take this seriously refuse to believe that this is anything other than a giant government conspiracy who are actually mutating this fucking virus so that there are strains that I'm reading the vaccination makers, you know, Moderna and Pfizer and all those are worried that these strains will, that that these vaccinations will not protect against these new strains. Um, Because people just, you know, you know, oh, my, you're stomping, you know, don't tread on me. You're stomping on my freedom. You know, it's an anti-authoritarian thing. (laughs) That may have real consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like this, you know, this isn't, this is not about personal freedom. This is about public health. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Shame that that is, is so difficult to break through to so, so many. Right. Right. So, I mean, I guess like that's the thing. And then also like. Knowing that, the fact that even if we are able to go back to normal and do normal things, we're probably still going to have to do all of the normal things wearing masks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of because of this. That is at least my understanding. Although I guess I think it already happened. Wasn't there a big concert in 
uh, Great Britain as sort of like a test run with the vaccinations. It was like 6,000 people. It was an, maybe an EDM concert. Um, and everybody, I guess everybody had to be vaccinated. And it was like, it was like a, almost like a, you know, a pilot. Like an experiment. <laughs> like yeah. an experiment, like a test, you know? And so I don't know, they did that. I guess they did that without masks, but at the same mm -hmm. time they did it without masks and everybody was vaccinated. So I guess then that doesn't become like a concern. Well, if everyone walks away feeling okay and over time doesn't exhibit symptoms, then I guess it shows that it worked, right? Right, right. Um, so I guess, you know, but again, that is, you know, are we going to have vaccine passports? Are we going to, yeah. like, what, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's it's also weird and people, you know, and I, I do know, I think that there, this is where we can get into some sticky overreach territory for sure. But at the same time, like, do we need that overreach because, uh, you know, to have like normal lives? Yeah, it's very tricky and it's, you know, made tricky by each other because everyone kind of has created their own agenda. Um, and it's it's hard to know always where to listen and, and what is best. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, I have adapted to this new normal reasonably well yeah. and stayed safe. So I'm not in a rush to rock the boat. I'm happy to have embarked on my vaccine journey. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm going to re-embrace all of the things that I said goodbye to, you know, not at like the same volume probably I was doing before, which yeah. you know probably better than just about anyone like was a lot, was a high volume yeah. of being like in the trenches and in close quarters all the time with a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say, like, I'm I'm super bummed out, like, because, you know, I mean, you know, me and my issues with going to the theaters and <laughs> I'm very particular about where I sit and very particular, like, you know, and I'm just sort of like I kind of have loved being able to just, you know, pay 20 bucks and watch you know, and, and like watch a first run movie or, you know, like we did with nobody or, you know, like right. that's yeah. kind of nice. You know, I, I can do that at home. It's not going to cost me a fortune. I can make my own popcorn. I can pee when I need to. I can, you know, it just, it just was like, it was just nice. And I know I have been reading that, um, I guess movie theaters are trying to change the movie going experience so it's a little bit more curated it's a little bit more high-end I guess they're going to be doing more with like Alamo draft house style with food and beverages and stuff like that to try and entice people to come back to you know seeing the movies but I but I think that um and I think that they're going to have to because I do think that the studios are starting to make some noise about releasing things on streaming yeah yeah, I think it's, I think we'll see growing pains or readjustment pains in the next year and two, because I think we'll suddenly find a lot of what was available to us this year at home is not, and you really have to seek it out in the theater. But I also think the numbers of people ultimately coming out for film are not going to be what they were two, three, four, five years ago. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what compromises will fix that.
Yeah, because I mean, this whole streaming thing, I know that there was a piece in the New York Times about streaming theater um, specifically, mm -hmm. but I think that it can also go to any sort of like event that you used to, you know, mm -hmm. you would have to show up to in person, um, has just really leveled the playing field and has made it really accessible for people who maybe they don't live close mm -hmm. by or maybe they have some sort of disability that makes it hard for them to leave their house, you know, so, so we have this sort of like new accessibility that I think has been really extraordinary. Um, and has reached a lot of people who don't get the opportunity to right, um, to go, whether it's a movie theater or a theater theater or, you know, whatever it is to like go and enjoy performances. And it would really suck, I think, to um, have made all of these really kind of enormous inroads into um into sort of the digital realm, whether it's, you know, film or TV yeah. or whatever, or, you know, movies or, or theater, um, to just kind of now just drop it like a, like a hot potato and just like leave it and not pick it yeah, up again. Yeah, and be like, well, now if you want it, you got to come see it. Yeah. yeah, like I think that I think that would be doing like a real disservice to, you know, the people who were able to enjoy it um, because it was streaming and now all of a sudden it's being taken away. And I, I just hope that everybody is sort of like, you know, thinking about that and a little bit more creative in their planning in terms of, um, you know, what they're what they are going to do moving forward, because I think it's been I think it's been a really great equalizer in a lot of ways, especially for theater, which is very, a very high ticket item. It is, you know, you have to be in a certain place at a certain time and all of that. And, you know, too fucking bad if you have, you know, other, you have things that are preventing that, you know, I think that this has been like a, a really great equalizer, you know, moment. And a lot of people have been able to see things that they normally wouldn't be able to. Yeah, uh, they certainly have. And it would be a shame now that we've proven that we can do it to take it away just just because you want to incentivize everyone to come and pay for it find a find some sort of happy medium yeah there's got to be a happy medium and i honestly i think that there are enough people that want to see theater live that they will go see theater live i think so i know for me growing up before i was in new york before i could access any of this i would have paid for all of it because i wanted to know what it was yeah yeah so I don't know. I just I just feel like um, I, I just hope that they don't throw it out. And I know that um, I know it's and I, I kind of I'm not very hopeful, though. That's the thing. I'm not very hopeful. No, um, there's good reason. You know, because th this requ this is going to require a lot of um, flexibility um, and and openness and, and conversations about contracts and stuff like that. And I don't know that. I don't know that anyone yeah. come to an agreement on all of that yeah all that stuff gets messy but yeah nothing we can do about it no no so yeah and so there we are so let us know what you guys would see and when you'd feel comfortable doing it and if there's anything else karen and i should be watching or reading or listening to or talking about uh let us know that too Right, so I guess that's it, and we'll do it again next week. Yeah, do the whole thing again. But uh, in the meantime, to all those uh, celebrating, happy Mother's Day. Karen, happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you. And otherwise, we will catch you in a week when we are back on the Boulevard. Bye. <laughs>